talent. It's a real hidden gem within the Bridgestone organization. What a great place it is to develop talent that we have a unique opportunity or in a global business unit. And we're really kind of entrepreneurial in the respect that we are a smaller business unit, but we can react very quickly to changes in market demand. And, and it's just a real exciting place to be right now. That is Justin Monahan, Executive Director of Sales and Marketing for Commercial and Specialty Markets for Firestone Industrial Products, a unique business within our Bridgestone Americas universe that often flies under the radar, but currently is experiencing some rapid growth while riding the wave of some significant mobility trends. Hi there, I'm Keith Cauley, and this is Thrive, a Bridgestone Americas podcast exploring our company through compelling conversations with teammates across our organization. On name alone, it may not be exactly obvious what Firestone Industrial Products does. So let's start there. FSIP, as we call it, patented the first vehicle air spring in 1938, pioneering a history of innovation outside of tires that is focused on eliminating vibration and delivering a smooth, comfortable ride. Justin leads sales for the commercial aspect of the business, an area of the transportation industry where air springs have been most common. Yet as he explains, the opportunities for new business continue to grow as FSIP expands its global reach and explores new solutions. But first, we start with Emily Palladian, president of Firestone Industrial Products, who outlines the massive potential we are now seeing in the passenger vehicle space, where FSIP is in a leading position to support one of the biggest bets in the future of mobility, electrification. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, we are joined by Emily Palladian, who is the president of Firestone Industrial Products, uh, another one of the very interesting and diverse businesses that is under the Bridgestone America's umbrella. Uh, Emily, we are excited to learn a little bit more about FSIP, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Keith. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I think for those maybe uh, teammates and, and listeners who have a little bit of an idea of what Firestone Industrial Products is, can you give us uh, just, a, I guess, a high-level summary on how would you describe industrial products to those who don't know? Absolutely. So uh, we uh, have been inside of the Bridgestone portfolio for quite some time. Uh, when the acquisition of Firestone uh, was made in the 80s by Bridgestone, uh, we were part of the Firestone family. So we make a rubber product that is not a tire, um, but is used by all the same customers who use tires. So the, the product we make is an air spring, which is a suspension component um, and provides some uh, really great characteristics to our customers who are, are looking for benefits over a standard uh, mechanical suspension. And so what was your path? I think, you know, FSIP is is an interesting business. Did you have a specific background in industrial products that helped you kind of uh, lead a path to you becoming president and, and the top leader at the company? Or what was your journey to your current role? Well, so I started with, uh, with industrial products um, out of college. I, I went to Purdue University and I have a mechanical engineering degree. So I joined the business as a, a product development engineer. So I learned a lot about air springs uh, when I first joined the company. It's not one of those things they teach you in school, but uh, like most jobs, you, you get into the real world and you learn what you really do, right? So I started in, in engineering. I had the opportunity to 
moved through several roles inside of industrial products, um, primarily on the sales side. I was uh, very excited to have the opportunity to use my engineering background, but then move into more of a technical sales role. Um, I spent some time uh, as the strategic uh, planner for the business, uh, helping set forward a, a longer-term strategy and helping with the annual budgeting process. Um, I spent a period of time managing our Asia business unit inside of industrial products. Uh, then I had a really great opportunity to move over into the commercial tire group, and then I was asked to come back to industrial products and, and lead the business unit, um, which I've been doing for a couple of years now. So I think I'm a, a great example of, of Bridgestone providing people a lot of opportunity to do new and different things, to really uh, learn a lot just by being entrenched in the business and being able to, to do different things. And so I, I tell people I kind of have an on-the-job MBA because most of what I've learned <laughs> about business has been because Bridgestone has been a great place to learn. Yeah, there's the book smarts and then there's the street smarts of gathered experience, right? And the combination of the two is what helps build, build it all forward. But that's a well-rounded portfolio uh, for sure. So when we think about industrial products, where is the industry and, and maybe our business right now? Because I think we've talked a lot about the disruptions to the world of mobility and the changes that are coming with with all of the the different uh, landscapes and, and certainly accelerated by the pandemic and, co and consumer and customer behaviors. But where I guess in the general landscape of mobility is the uh, air springs and industrial products industry and what's been its trajectory to this point? Yeah, so we're at a, a really exciting time right now. So we've been around since the, the 1930s. We've been very concentrated in air springs um, since the 1970s timeframe. And, and historically, air suspension is, is very widely used in the commercial vehicle space um, where we've been strong and we continue to have growth opportunities globally in that part of the business. Our other big growth lever that's very exciting right now is moving uh, more heavily into the passenger car space. So so air suspension is relatively new in the passenger car um, area as opposed to the commercial vehicles. And we're jumping in to that market space. Uh, it's somewhat new for us, but we're learning and we're learning at rapidly and have been very successful. Um, and as there is a continued trend in electrification. Uh, we, we are a big believer in that that's going to continue to drive more interest in air suspension in the passenger car space. Um, traditionally, uh, you see it more in the premium or luxury car segment, um, but we are seeing that move from that segment into SUVs and now into the pickup truck space. And uh, electric vehicles tend to be heavier because of the battery, and an air suspension offers a great opportunity to ensure that you still have very good ride without giving up um, some of the cornering and handling ability that you might have to do with, with a mechanical suspension on a heavier uh, car or truck. Well, and, and as we think about the the past of air springs in particular, been so primarily focused on commercial, and you think about the heavy loads of tractor trailers and the need for uh, the support in those types of instances, what has led maybe to the, uh, I guess, emergence and the growth opportunities in uh, the consumer space, aside from electrification lately, but where did we start to see that transition you know, kind of cross over uh, and, and what was leading it? Sure. So, so one of the reasons that air springs can be very 
very popular in commercial vehicles is is they are a, a variable rate spring, whereas a, a traditional, you know, steel spring is is what we call a linear spring. So a steel spring has kind of a sweet spot around a specific load characteristic, and if if your vehicle is loaded more or less than that, it's not going to ride as well. So an, an air spring provides you that opportunity to get the same kind of ride quality regardless of loading. And if you think about you know, a class eight tractor and trailer that might change its loading, there's benefit there. Uh, transit buses that may have more or less passengers on it, you have that benefit. So if you think about passenger cars, we don't see the same kind of load changes, obviously, on a passenger car, uh, whether they're one person driving or they're full of five people, the, the load doesn't change that dramatically. So really, the interest on the passenger car side has come around being able to give um, adaptability in the ride height of the vehicle. And so some of the benefit you get there is you could lower the vehicle at highway speed so that you get greater fuel efficiency, better aerodynamics. You could raise the vehicle um, if you're going over curbs or in a rough road condition. That tends to be something that you're traditionally going to see more in a premium car because it's a nice um, add-on that they can use for differentiation of those higher-level cars. But, you know, as I was saying earlier with the electric vehicles, you know, you think about your batteries, um, that fuel efficiency or battery efficiency of being able to lower the ride height of your vehicle becomes even more important, you know, to be able to really maximize the range of the battery, for example, or to raise um, the car to go over a curb because the battery is typically the bottom of the car so that you're, you're giving it some protection as you're going over curbs or or things like that. So, um, so something that was a nice premium is becoming something that really uh, is becoming a more standard need in the electrical vehicle space. Um, and and I, I think this conversation comes in a, in a timely way because of a big announcement that the business is making. And I'm, I'm assuming that it's because of you see those growth opportunities and this surge in the market demand and, and the partnerships that we're maybe able to create. But what is the news uh, going on in Williamsburg, Kentucky, Emily? Yeah, so we've just recently announced an expansion uh, of about 68,000 square feet, um, addition to our facility there, and the addition of about 250 jobs, which we're really excited to announce. We've been a great partner with with Kentucky for for many years at our facility there. This expansion is to give us additional capacity um, to service that passenger car market. Um, Very specifically, we're seeing growth and some uh, partnership with some EV companies that are giving us that need for that bigger capacity there. Um, we also service the commercial vehicle market um, in that plant. So it's exciting to see the growth so that we're supporting all of our business. Um, but yes, very excited uh, about uh, the ability to to grow and to continue to impact that great community there. Yeah, that's the hometown or home home feel, if you will, there here in the U.S. But certainly you've talked about how you used to lead, you know, part of the, the Asia Pacific business and in, in industrial products. This is a thriving global company based out of the U.S. Can you talk a little bit about the footprint outside of, uh, out of the U.S. and also just the, the growth potential you see there? Sure, you're exactly right. We we are a little bit unique inside the Bridgestone Americas family, and that we are a fully global uh, business unit. So, we have two plants in the U.S. We have one in Costa Rica. We have one in Brazil. 
Uh, we have one in Poland and we have one in China. So we, we are on nearly every continent and we are growing everywhere. So um, the, the passenger car work we're doing is global. We just recently uh, completed an addition to our plant in Poland uh, that again was, uh, was done to accommodate the passenger car space. Uh, but we are um, looking at future expansions uh, both in Poland and in China to uh, service our growth in, in the commercial vehicle space. Uh, you know, we've been very successful taking our capabilities and, and what we've learned from the North American market and our, our leadership here in product design. And we've been very successful in growing our market share um, in Europe, which is another mature and established uh, market in the commercial vehicle space where we continue to win market share there. And then the market in China, the adoption rate of air suspension in China is really just starting. So we see a nice long runway um, of opportunity in China. Our team there is fabulous. They do a great job going out and winning business. And we've, we've been there for about 15 years. Uh, we've had a great presence in the bus market, but now the truck and trailer markets are starting to adopt air suspension usage, and and we're seeing huge growth in China as well. So, but I, I should throw in as well in Brazil, our team there in the commercial vehicle space has, has also had some great wins. So we feel like we're winning everywhere, and it's a real high for the team, um, and, and we're working hard to keep up with it and, and continue our growth. Yeah, winning everywhere is a pretty good feeling to have, to have if you can get there. <laughs> it, it is. We certainly hope that continues. Yeah. Well, and and almost every continent, we hope to soon be winning. Apparently, in in Antarctica, we'll keep working on those business growth <laughs> plans for for spanning the globe in that regard. But maybe just to wrap our our time together, I think uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of people who uh, will listen to this that are, are heavily focused on our our tire side of the business and our core area of that uh, manufacturing and background expertise. But I have to imagine, like we've discussed, that the rubber and the material science and that experience that comes from the history of our company offers itself to a lot of maybe collaboration. Are, are you learning things from, you know, uh, our rubber and material science and the tire side and, and vice versa? Are you able to share a lot of things with them about, you know, maybe the noise, vibration, harshness and the smooth ride type of things that we look to engineer in our tire products? Yeah, we, we do work together. Um, you know, we obviously uh, rely on people in ATC uh, to, to information share with us. Um, we do a lot of our own compound development in, in-house inside of IP, but we do work with the group in ATC, and uh, they are always there to help us when we need it. And we have returned the favor, and, and uh, they've actually taken some of our compounds and used it to bring some improvements in, in the tire space. So it is a good collaborative um relationship on the engineering side, and we always look for ways to, to continue that. We've had the opportunity to work together with the group in ATC on, uh, you know, some opportunities to say, how can we take an air suspension and the tires and some of the other rubber mounts that we, we make in our in one of our Bridgestone groups? And, you know, how can we potentially package those all together and say, let us let us find a way to tune the whole car for you and ensure that you have great ride quality, um, you know, low rolling resistance tires, et cetera. So we're looking at ways to to work together that way. You know, my commercial vehicle team uh, is in very close contact with the, the TBR group uh, since we, we service the same end customers there and uh, make sure that they are information sharing, especially on the OE side, since we have so many common customers uh, that we're working directly with. So, yes, we, we love to uh, connect with the tire group and make sure that we're talking to each other. 
And we feel like they can uh, definitely learn from us. We, we, uh, I think we are a good example, you know, when you, you hear Paulo talk about, uh, you know, how to be entrepreneurial and agile. And um, I think we do that really well inside of industrial products. And, you know, with us being global, we, we have a lot of that we feel like we can share with, you know, here's how a global company could, could run and operate and, and do things well. And as Bridgestone continues to, um, you know, work to to operate as a more like a global business instead of a, a regional business. You know, we feel like we're a great example of that. There you go. It's a lot of synergies abounding and that opportunity to celebrate our team, whether it's across businesses or across borders. Uh, there's a lot to celebrate. So appreciate the perspective, Emily. It's been great to learn a little bit more. And, and as you said, there's still a lot probably to to dig into um, to revisit in the future as this growth spurt continues for industrial products and the industry as a whole. But thank you so much for taking the time today to to share a little bit of this with us. Thank you. I always appreciate the opportunity to tell people about our business. We, I'm a little biased, but I, but I think it's a great business to be in. Plenty of reason to do that. So thank you so much. Through its work with some of today's most innovative vehicle manufacturers, Firestone Industrial Products is working to go beyond Air Springs as a true collaborative development partner to co-create solutions for just about any vibration problem. Still, though, the company is relying heavily on its flagship offering, the commercial airspring, through a global strategy that, as Emily noted, has them winning everywhere. Justin Monahan is helping lead these efforts, which, among other things, are focused on driving new business across borders in Europe, South America, and Asia. Let's dive in. Well, we are joined today by Justin Monahan. He is executive director, sales and marketing, responsible for commercial and specialty markets within Firestone Industrial Products. Seems like a lot of fun we can get into and cover right there. But Justin, thanks for taking a few minutes to join us. Yeah, always great to talk with you, Keith. Just a big fan of the the Thrive podcast. I listen to them a lot in my travels. And hey. just a shout out to you and the team for for putting this together. I think it's just a great way to to communicate with the, the broader organization. So excited to be part of it. Thanks for having me today. There you go. I'll be interested to hear what it was like to hear yourself on the podcast because everybody always has their own uh, mind on on listening to themselves back on tape. But uh, we're glad to keep you company. You are a, a guy who spends a lot of time on the road and travel. Uh, between both uh, the United States and Canada, and a guy with a lot of background on the tire side of the industry and, and some years at Bridgestone as well, but now at industrial products. So what uh, what got you to FSIP and what attracted you about, I guess, getting into that new position? Yeah, I think we all generally have a unique career path, yours as well, uh, knowing <laughs> a bit about your background. But sure. um, mine, mine for sure has been pretty diversified and I've been very fortunate to, to try a lot of different things. Um, you just hinted travel into Canada. I am Canadian. Hate to disappoint, but I'm about <laughs> the only Canadian that, that grew up not playing hockey. I didn't start until I was an adult. Uh, I don't drink a lot of Tim Hortons coffee and, and I probably... I got to take like six questions off my list for the rest of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But I, I share that because it does offer a bit of a unique perspective. I take a lot of grief for it and a lot of heat for it, but I own it proudly. Sure. I actually grew up in a family business. Um, I'm from, grew up in Niagara Falls, Ontario. 
And I share that because I think my work ethic was really shaped a lot from from the family business. You know, you have to wear multiple hats. If something needs to get done, you do it. And then it's very results driven, right? So, um, but my dad always had a rule that any of uh, us in the in the family had to go outside for two years before we we're allowed to work in the family business full time. So I took that opportunity and thought, how can I go in the, the family business? And maybe I might as well try going into big business. And I actually joined General Motors in, in Canada. And I spent the first three years of my career in manufacturing, supervising plant floor operations, building pickup trucks. And at that time, I was on steady night shift. And it didn't take me too long to figure out that I didn't want to be on steady nights for the rest of my life. So I kind of fell back on some finance experience I had. And and went through a, a series of progressive finance roles in the parts business and the fleet business, uh, worked on some brand teams. And that ultimately led me to move into their headquarters in Detroit in 2007 to work on the UAW contract negotiations, which was um, a landmark agreement, but it was just a real exciting time and something pretty exciting to be part of. Uh, I think it was 2013, early 2013, that I actually joined Bridgestone. But not in tires. I joined as director of financial planning and analysis, which was fortunate for me. It's a great landing spot in an organization because it's a consolidation spot for all the budgets and all the monthly results. So I got to learn a lot about the operations quickly and network my way through all the various business units. Did that role for just over a year, and then I was named executive finance director for commercial tire operations at the time. So this is where tires started to kind of surface here. Um, TBR, Bandag, um, OTR, Firestone Ag, and GCR were all part of the commercial tire umbrella at that time. Had that role for a little while, and, and I started to think, you know, I never really envisioned myself staying in finance. Didn't even really have a strong background in it. Um, I was pretty much self-taught. So I wanted to maybe try sales and operations. And at the time, they had an opening in Bridgestone, Canada, leading the TBR team. But for me, that was a bit of a dream role. You know, growing up in Canada, one of my goals was always to kind of lead the the operations, the Canadian operations of a multinational company. So I was fortunate to chair the leadership committee in Canada. Just a great experience, learned the tire business, learned the sales side of things, still learning that today. But it was it was just a, a really good opportunity uh, for me, both personally and professionally. And I still am fortunate to serve on the Bridgestone Canada board, so I'm able to, to keep track of Team Canada. But I was in that role for about four years. I met Emily Palladian during that time. We were peers. Um, she had gone back over to FSIP and and it was, you know, it was about time for my next challenge. And and Emily shared a lot about this exciting opportunity and and what was happening in Firestone Industrial Products. It's a global business unit that's that's growing. And I've really come to learn, and and Scott Damon and I have chatted about this, just it's a real hidden gem within the Bridgestone organization. So I'm looking to kind of elevate the awareness of, of Firestone industrial products internally and just, you know, what a great place it is to develop talent, that we have a unique opportunity or in a global business unit. And we're really kind of entrepreneurial in the respect that we are a smaller business unit, but we can react very quickly to changes in market demand. And, and it's just a real exciting place to be right now. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it sounds like it from, from talking to each of you, and we're happy to help shed a little bit more light on it, uh, considering the, the role that it plays in um, the, the journey that we're on at Bridgestone around mobility and solutions and, and where it connects. It, you worked at, at GM, you said, at a plant that was making pickup trucks. So you've got a little bit of exposure to other things beyond tires on the car side. But how much did you really know about industrial products, air springs at all before you kind of started talking to Emily and really jumped into this role? Yeah, very little, uh, to be honest. Uh, I think in FP&A, when I was able to see kind of the the overall structure of Bridgestone Americas, to be honest, FSIP, it was a smaller business unit, generally didn't throw much variance. So I, I wasn't too sure of what it was, but certainly, you know, getting up to speed and learning was was a steep learning curve, to say the least. I mean, I joined Firestone Industrial Products in February of uh, 2020, just before COVID hit. I was able to get over to meet the team in Europe. And then the day that I left Netherlands was the day they had their first case. So I literally had to learn this business from my kitchen table. (laughs) Actually, I was able to meet the team, obviously, in North America and Europe, but I've still yet to meet the team in China or Brazil in person. So that's had a unique set of opportunities. Now, having said that, I'm very fortunate to have a very strong team, uh, a very patient team that that has supported me well and, and just made it possible. But having said that, there are some transferable, I'll say, or similar skills uh, that you can rely on. Like we do have on the commercial side, it's a similar customer basis I, I had in the, the TBR side, negotiating skills, financial acumen, that all comes into play here as well. Even my time in a manufacturing plant, I think helps me relate to Brad Marks and the manufacturing team. I, I understand I've, I've spent time, not necessarily in an airspring manufacturing plant, but in a manu- manufacturing plant nonetheless. And then we talked about it at the start there about being Canadian. I think that also helped to used to international business, um, generally doing business in Canada with with U.S.-based parent companies and different cultures. I, I worked in Toronto for a while, and that's a very multicultural, diverse city. But even Canada is a, is a nation with two official languages, uh, English and French, and the French culture. I spent a lot of time uh, working with dealers and doing business in the Montreal area. Um, so I think that that perspective has really served me well as far as just learning and how to adapt to other cultures around the world. Well, and let's talk a little bit about that, the global nature of the role in the business too, right? I think, uh, you know, in learning, it's a U.S.-based company within Bridgestone Americas, but obviously, as you've pointed out, operates with a global footprint, not just in a couple of regions, but really across most areas of the world. What is that footprint like for you? How do you as you're learning, you said from your kitchen table, I guess, trying to help drive and shape and evolve that strategy and also identify where all the the real opportunities are outside of your kitchen table during these difficult times. <laughs> it's, it is a real unique business unit within Bridgestone Americas. I mean, we, we generally Bridgestone Corporation operates in kind of the poles of, of Asia and the Americas and, and Europe, Middle East, Africa. Um, although I think what Paulo and uh, Shu are doing right now is really bringing us together as a global business. And that's something that we've tried to do within FSIP as well. The global footprint, as you mentioned. So as far as like, how do we make all that work? It's planning and communication is 
is key. And I would stress the communication side of things. Um, but I have to be mindful in, in how we structure our days. And then one thing that we did was I noticed when kind of we were all working from home, I thought, you know, there's we lost the opportunity for teammates to that interaction, just kind of informal interaction or or dropping by somebody's desk and just seeing how things are going on. So I created what I called virtual office hours. And it was going to be a and one hour Friday morning um, early so international teammates could join in as well. And and just where I'm accessible and, you know, something you have a question or want to talk strategy or whatever the topic may be, I'd be available. And it's really grown and it was really well received each day or each Friday morning, you know, most of the team joins in. And but that's just another way of of us being able to not only come together as a global team, but a forum to kind of talk about strategy and and uh, share what's going on in the business with with the broader team. Yeah, well, it's it's nice to to pop into something like that. And with the global team on the other side, you some is it, it's a coffee chat for some and it's happy hour for some. So you never really know what you're going <laughs> to yeah, get in, in that context. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> well, I, I know the growth of the business that you've touched on has been really taking off in recent years. And uh, there seems to be the what we've kind of learned and, and hearing about the expansion of the facility in in Williamsburg, there's just so much potential growth still to come. Um, so, what are those big growth opportunities? Maybe that your team in particular, um, you know, you're you're on the commercial and specialty market side. Emily has talked, uh, you know, and others in the business about the electrification of consumer vehicles opportunities. But maybe from your point of view, what are those big growth areas that your team is focused on? It's a great question, and. The thing that also attracted me to this business unit is just we have such a diversity within the markets we serve. So if we look at commercial vehicle in North America, we're a dominant player. We actually developed the AirSpring technology, Harvey Firestone. That's recognized in the market. We do enjoy strong market share and position in, in commercial vehicle in North America. So that's obviously a market that we're focused on kind of a defense strategy and maintain our position. But... We look to Europe, generally the European manufacturers and competition, that's their whole market. So we're we're battling over there. We've had some key wins recently, um, especially in the, the commercial vehicle, the OEM business over there. So that's growing with that. Um, we can kind of develop the aftermarket business even further. So that's kind of the in-between market. But then if we look at, at China and, and Brazil, I mean, those markets are are just in rapid growth right now. And China being the largest commercial vehicle market in the world, the potential there is very significant. Now, air adoption and air spring technology is newer in that market. However, the government has started to mandate the use of air springs in particular applications, particularly in tanker trailers or hazardous materials. Um, they're finding that overloading of trailers has been an issue. Their infrastructure is starting to deteriorate as a result. And as European OE manufacturers are starting, truck manufacturers in particular, are starting to move into the China market, our ability to leverage our relationships throughout Europe um, and then move over to China with them and use that same kind of technology as well is is creating a real strong opportunity for growth for us. RideRight is another one. And Mary Cabria and the team have, have had exceptional two years. RideRight, just for those that maybe are unaware, is a helper air spring kit. So predominantly used in, in full-size pickup trucks uh, like Ford F-150 or Silverado. Um, 
it's for people that are towing. Uh, think especially right now, think of fifth wheels. A lot of people through the pandemic went out and bought fifth wheels, took that up to the truck. It pushes the, the back of the truck down. So this is a little air spring kit. You can install it yourself in your, your driveway. A little air spring that lifts that, gets you back to a, a level ride, safer and uh, helps with tire wear. There's, there's a lot of benefits to it. But that business has just done exceptionally well through the pandemic. But I also see a lot of growth in the future for that channel as well, because about two thirds of that market is not even aware that that is a solution that exists for them. And we enjoy pretty strong market position in that channel as well. So even though we're a, a major player in the market, there's a lot of growth potential for that business. It's one of those things we obviously at Bridgestone think a lot about tires, but where there's tires in a vehicle, there's usually some kind of spring and hopefully an air spring somewhere in the vicinity of that. Uh, and so it makes a lot of sense that we're in a lot of those same areas of, of markets. Yeah. Right? I mean, so. certainly in the suspension, but we're also in, uh, for commercial trucks, the seat springs. Um, the, the driver's seat usually has an air spring. The cab of the truck has an air spring. Uh City buses. Uh, we're actually in the rail business as well. If you've traveled through San Francisco on the Bay Area Rapid Transit, that's Firestone Air Suspension. The Atlanta Airport, the the subway underneath that connects all the terminals, that's actually riding on Firestone Air Suspension as well. well there you go. I'm learning that I've been on a lot of air springs uh, over the you last have. several years. You so have. look at that. Uh, well, I guess to wrap up our, our time together, Justin, uh, I know we as a company are looking at this vision of sustainable solutions as you know, our future of, of evolving beyond a lot of the things that we've been focused on in our tire and our material science and rubber expertise. Certainly a lot of that that has played into uh, the airspring space, as you've said. But what are maybe some of those future forward, uh, whether it's projects or whether it's, you know, needs that we're seeing evolve uh, in the, the world of mobility and consumers and behavior um, that you are all looking maybe to, to continue to push the boundaries of in the future? For sure. I think one of the areas is the emerging OEs and even the electrification of vehicles, both in commercial vehicle and automotive. From both sides of things, like weight becomes an issue with, with these uh, electrified vehicles or battery-powered vehicles. Sustainability is another one we're looking at. It's a little different than tires in that, especially the commercial truck tire, you know, you're cycling through a tire typically every 12 months, maybe less, maybe more, but fairly frequent. Air springs generally last a lot longer, five to six years, but still what's the kind of end use proposition for, for air springs? What happens with that rubber? Um, so we want to take that angle on it and and determine what our sustainability uh, equation is going to be and how we can support those initiatives as well. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to share too much. So. Everybody just <laughs> sat forward in their chair when you say things <laughs> yeah. like that, right? So we're coming up with uh, just, you know, creative applications and solutions for air suspensions where where we could just make vibration less. And, and I say that, but that's, it's almost a sales tool for us. Like the industrial team, when they go into a manufacturing plant, they usually say, hey, take me to the noisiest place within the plant. And then we look around and, okay, how, how can we make things quieter? How can we eliminate that vibration and noise? So, Yeah. 
Well, I've got a couple places in the house we can have you over to take a look at. Just, the neighbors are really loud. I've got some things that we can we can explore from a, a, a noise perspective. <laughs> but um, not sure See your expertise can, can help there. But hey, uh, appreciate the help. Um, but thanks, uh, Justin, for uh, a, a, some some great conversation around just the the journey. And again, I think another example uh, of the opportunities that Bridgestone has across not just the businesses but across borders. We learn a lot in talking to our guests about the different roles they've played within the company and the different uh, opportunities they've been able to get. And I think you're another prime example of that. And I guess I have um, about six or seven of my hockey and Tim Hortons questions I can save for my next Canadian guest since we didn't need to get into them today. So, yeah, but but appreciate the time. It was good talking to you, sir. Yeah, you too, Keith. Always a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. In applying our core rubber and material science expertise to move on emerging mobility trends with an entrepreneurial and agile mindset, Firestone Industrial Products is another example of our North Star vision coming to life, moving Bridgestone forward on our journey to become a sustainable solutions company. Hopefully now you'll look a little differently at that tractor trailer on the highway and think a little differently about the smooth ride in your own vehicle. Or at the very least, we hope you have a little more understanding of what Firestone Industrial Products represents. Remember, you can find all of our episodes wherever you may listen to podcasts, so we encourage you to check out those you may have missed or share your favorites with friends and family. We'd appreciate if you'd follow, subscribe, rate, and or review while you're there to tell us as well what you think. And remember, you can always send us an email at thrivepodcast at bfusa.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Keith Colley, reminding you to keep on keeping on. And remember that at Bridgestone, today, tomorrow, together, we thrive. Be good, everybody. Mm-hmm.